0: The biggest thing and the most impressive part of Josh Allen's game I think has nothing to do with this game itself. It's his mentality. I think he's extremely cognizant of what he can and can't do. At least to us, at least when he's speaking to the media and he's trying to relay his thought process to us. He knows what he needs to improve on and he generally did a good job of improving in any specific area on a week-to-week basis. That is Marcel Louis-Jacques of ESPN. And with Howard and Jeremy yesterday, we're about to talk some bills and also a lot of UFC here coming up with Matt Perino. Always love having Matt on and Matt, I think the biggest reason I always love having you on is uh typically that means there is a big uh, marquee fight coming up on the weekend when uh, when we talk. So uh, how you doing, man?
1: I'm good, man, and, and you hit it right on the head. I mean, this is this is the biggest fight I I, I mean, even going back to the Khabib fight, I mean, this one just feels like it's truly like connor mcgregor returning and right. you know when he's when he's fighting i mean it's it's a takeover that whole week and uh, i've felt it since monday and as the week's gone by i mean what are we we're about 30 minutes away from the press conference i'm giddy man mm-hmm. i can't wait
0: yeah, we'll, we'll get you out of here in time to see the press conference, too. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that later back or back later myself. Before we do get a uh, full swing into Conor McGregor returning this week against Cowboy Cerrone, um, I do want to ask you a couple of Bills questions, though, because it's still fresh on the mind. And I read a couple of interesting things that you wrote last week. I want to start with you on the offseason, not necessarily looking back, but looking forward. And mm-hmm. I, like Mar- the guy we just played, Marcel Louis-Jacques from ESPN, I'm sure you've had run-ins with him, of course. He is maybe one of the few I've heard think that the Bills don't necessarily need to go out and get that bona fide stud number one wide receiver. Um, and to me, I hear that. I think I, I hear what he's saying, and I, I, I like what he's saying in that they shouldn't just be reckless and just go get the guy no matter what. But I don't know. I don't know how you can't watch this team after this past, this past year and think that the Bills don't need that 50-50 ball, uh, true number one receiver in front of John Brown.
1: Yeah, I, I'm more than running, but he's a good friend of mine. Uh, he's been such an addition to the beat. This is my second year on the beat, and mm-hmm. adding Marcel has just been unbelievable. But I get kind of what he's saying um, in that if you look at the entire plan that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have kind of implemented, implemented here it's a very patient approach and they want to build through the draft so going out and getting a big uh, free agent whether it be an AJ Green or an Amari Cooper or even a Brashad Perryman who let's be honest probably made himself a lot of money in December I mean you're going to really impact your cap uh for a spot that you know really the you could probably get a better player long term in the draft so I think that there has to be some urgency in terms of getting in the draft after skipping it last year and, you know, going and getting a couple position players. Uh, Maybe Brandon Bean thought that this year was the year to target a wide receiver because of the depth of the class. But I will disagree a little bit in that I do think that that game breaker is missing from this offense. Mm -hmm. I I like Devin Singletary a lot. I like Dawson Knox a lot. John Brown, the 14th best uh, receiving season in Bill's history uh, in his first year. All good stuff. But they need that guy that uh, a team can rely on, uh, you know, in, in big games and big moments. Other defenses, other teams can't take him away, and, and they don't have that guy in this offense right
0: now. Right, completely agree. The other the other thing that I've been thinking about a lot in terms of what they need on the offense, because they, I mean, they were a playoff team this year. We know they have some holes, but there's not a lot of things that they desperately need. One of the more minor things I think they could des- that they might desperately need is that complement to Devin Singletary. So let's stick with the offense, the running back position this offseason. I'd like to see them get a scat back type to complement Singletary. I think Singletary's style fits very well for that first and second down type of running back between the tackles. He's of course capable of being the pass catching back as well. We saw him doing pretty well in that role this season. But I'd like to see the Bills add another. You mentioned game breaker. Just a guy you could dump a screen pass off to from the running back position this season that, hey, he is a threat. He's not always going to do it, but he's a threat at least to take it to the house in any given play.
1: Yeah, I think, you know two two guys that really jump off to me. One, I'll credit uh, your, your tag team partner, Nate Geary. We were on Instagram mm-hmm. Live earlier this week, and he mentioned... Uh, Matt Breida uh, as a guy that really stands out in that department. He's a restricted free agent. But, I mean, I watched him a few times this year, and while he had some fumbling issues at times, he is that kind of game-breaker. And the other guy is Kenyon Drake, uh, who really popped with Arizona this year. I'm not so sure that he's willing to leave uh, Arizona, but if that's a guy that you can get, uh, you can bring in here. Uh, and I think that you're running the money. I don't know if they'll make if They'll uh uh, use some of their draft capital to go running back again in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think you're exactly right. They need to figure out uh, who can play that role. And maybe it's somebody that we're not even thinking about that some of their pro scouts have, have, have found. And, and that's something that they were really able to do last year, more so on the offensive line when you look at some of the, you know, no-name, uh, if you will, signings that they had. Spencer Long, John Feliciano, uh, even Quentin Spain to a, to, a, to a larger degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been doing a good job at finding talent. So I think that but but I do agree that that piece is missing.
0: You you make a good point though that they've kind of found talent by not investing a whole lot in it. But with all the cap space they have, so let's throw out the two positions we've even thrown, we've talked about a little bit here, running back and receiver, which could be I guess we could include running back in this too. I just I really hope they don't go out and just sign Derek Henry to a monster contract or Melvin Gordon to a monster contract. I hope that they don't do that. But is there another position you're thinking about that, hey, they've got all this cap space. Maybe they will go out, use a big chunk of it on this.
1: Yeah, that's one of my actual, uh, you know, we're putting out our 50 free agent targets for the Bills. And I have this one pretty high. And it's Anthony Costanzo, if he decides not to retire. Uh, Left Mm -hmm. tackle with Indianapolis Colts. I think that's a piece. Um, you know, Dean Dawkins did such a great job this year, and, and he wants to be a left tackle, and I think that they even view him as a left tackle. But if you can make a move to bring in a pro bowl or potentially even all-pro caliber left tackle, who, by the way, there's a connection there with Bobby Johnson, his best season was under Bobby Johnson uh, when he was the assistant uh, offensive line coach in Indianapolis in 2018. And, oh, by the way, that was one of the best seasons that Andrew Luck had, especially from a, a staff perspective on, on the offensive line. I just think that, that if you could go out and get another uh, blue-chip-type player on that offensive line, it changes everything. And, and there, was a, there was a lot of times this year that, yeah, could they have used the playmaker? Of course. But they also could have used the, 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 the line to hold up in, in big spots. And I go back to that Houston game. And one of the, one of the sacks where you know, the protection just completely broke down, and Josh can't take the sack, but he also needs a little bit more time to try to make a play uh, at the end of a big right. game. And so I, I think that that's a guy that, you know, it just makes too much sense if he does decide to keep playing. Uh, you know, I've heard that there, everybody just raved about Bobby Johnson in Indianapolis, so I'm sure that their relationship is really strong there. And Bobby Johnson was a big uh, a big reason why John Feliciano, uh, Brandon Bean found John Feliciano. So, uh, that's just a name to watch for them to think, and I think that the offensive line could use another big-time player, a la a Mitch Morse, to really mm. bolster it.
0: I, I love that as an idea. I haven't thought a lot about the offensive line or Costanzo as an idea, but I'm always a fan of even philosophically, like if you can add an All-Pro talent. Go get him, and then figure out how the other moving pieces can fall into place afterwards. Um, but if you can get a guy like that, then you you have to do it, because you're improving on that position if you do. All right, let's let's uh, let's get into the pay-per-view event this week with UFC, Conor McGregor, his return to the UFC. And you, you kind of mentioned it at the top there. I was going to bring that up as a point here, that he fights Khabib in 2018, but... This just seems different. It sounds different. Of course, the Khabib fight, the lead-up, all of it, was very as personal as any fight I've ever seen in, in the MMA or in boxing. And now, when you hear McGregor talk, it, like he's done a lot of media this week, he's talking about this being a season, and he wants three fights, and the, hey, if he comes out of this fight unscathed, like if it ends within a couple of minutes, then he wants to be on one of the next upcoming pay-per-views. And I, it seems more... Legit. I don't know. I, I feel like this, you kind of said it, this is like a legit return for McGregor.
1: Exactly. And I think that what happened in the Khabib um, lead-up is that, you know, Conor lost himself a little bit. And, and you, you hear it this week in the things that he's talking about where, you know, he was out partying and drinking the, the right. week of the fight. Just, just absolute... That's chaotic in a fight with – I mean, I've been behind the scenes when, you know, watching everything that goes into this thing, the regimented scheduling to the last minute of how you're going to train, how you're going to eat, how you're going to cut weight, all this thing. To, to, to go into a fight with the most dominant fighter of the last five years in Khabib Nurmagomedov. And, and, and go in down like that, and go in there like with a disadvantage, not to mention the fact that he said that he, he was injured in that fight, going into that fight. Mm-hmm. I just think this feels completely different. This feels like a guy that realized what might have what he might have lost in these last two years. you know he's not the same listen he 's still the biggest draw in, in the sport, and, and Muhammad Ali had unbelievable losses in his career that he bounced back from but for a while there, you were wondering at, at points in 2019, like, is it ever going to be the same? Is he, When he comes back, what's it going to be like? But I will say, now that we're here halfway through fight week, it does feel... Uh, as close to you know Conor McGregor fight week as as mm. I anticipated it could feel so that's a that's a good thing for the UFC and for McGregor
0: Matt Perino at Matt Perino on Twitter from New dot is on the Western Hotline formerly the UFC uh, social media director um, or former digital media director for the UFC we're talking some uh, Conor McGregor and uh, UFC which is coming up on Saturday and. The other thing about McGregor for me, before we get into some technical aspects of like the matchup with, with Cowboy on Saturday, is, and I wonder if this is his biggest motivator coming back, because he's had a lot of questions this week. I've watched maybe almost every interview he's done, whether it be with UFC or ESPN or TSN or a BT Sports overseas. I, I've watched a lot of what he's talked about, and what it sounds like to me is that his motivation of course at this point is not money. He made so much with the Mayweather fight that it almost feels like it couldn't be money unless he's just blown it all in a couple of years, which seems pretty hard to believe. It feels like do you want do you think like maybe legacy is like what his driving motivation is here because the way it ended against Khabib and losing one out of two to Diaz and like he's lost a lot in his last couple of fights, he hasn't won in the UFC octagon in 3 years. I wonder if a lot of this, this season that he's talking about and coming back the way he used to be is that he doesn't want to go out the way he went out and have his legacy look the way it did.
1: The power was taken out of his hands after the Khabib fight and everything that happened in the last you know in the months that followed, whether it be punching the the older gentleman in the pub, uh, some of the domestic violence uh, allegations that have been yep. kind of churning, which he's vehemently denied. You know,
0: Breaking people's cell phones. He yeah, Exactly, exactly. When he,
1: when he lost to Nate Diaz, it was an immediate rematch. He demanded it, and he was handed it. When, when, Habib, when the Habib loss ha- happened, he wanted that rematch as well, and, and he was not granted that. Whether it be he wasn't granted it because he didn't deserve it or because he had other things that you know, were, were holding him back from it, the power was gone. And so I think he was humbled a little bit in in this whole process. And I think that that's what we're seeing this week. A humble Conor McGregor that comes in here who has a lot of respect for Donald Cerrone, who, oh, by the way, Mm -hmm. a UFC record holder, most wins, most knockouts, most uh, head kick knockouts, most finishes. This guy is is literally uh, an icon in the sport. I mean, I, I don't think even people will... Really appreciate what Cowboy Cerrone has done in this sport until you know ten years after he's gone because he has lost a, a bunch of fights, but it's because of the insane pace that he's kept up his entire career. The guy fights every couple months. It's it's unbelievable. It's right. it's it's never been accomplished, and so it, it's a great matchup because now he gets the shine that you know only really comes with a Conor McGregor fight. I mean, you could fight for the for every title that is out there. I mean, you could be Henry Cejudo with two titles and, you know, come up with a whole little altered you know, uh, gimmick and it's still not as big as fighting Conor McGregor. And so, you know, this is a, this is a legacy, you know, his legacy is on the line. I, I, I said it this, this week on, on another show I was doing. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's a gamble. If he comes back and, and he is not the same Conor McGregor and, oh, by the way, he broke his hand, his left hand, the moneymaker, in training before a fight that he was trying to get uh, middle of last year... So what's that going to be like? That's a question going into this thing. But if he doesn't come back and dominate and be the, you know, Conor McGregor that everybody remembers, I mean, his, his brand is going to take a hit. Because after all, all the great one-liners and all the great press conference moments, the Conor McGregor uh, business is based on winning and based on the way that he won and the way that he embarrassed champions. I mean, Jose Aldo in 13 seconds, Eddie Alvarez, the wrestler at a weight class up, just completely outclassing him and knocking him out in the second round. Nobody did that to the underground king. And Conor made it look easy. That was how he built the brand. And now what you have is, you know, uh, he showed up and fought Floyd Mayweather, and he was respectable in that fight, but a loss, and then got embarrassed by Habib and embarrassed by a whole lot of other things. So a lot on the line for him this week. I I think he's got his head screwed on right this week, and he sounds good and everything looks good. And and usually when he's motivated, that's a dangerous opponent uh, that the Cowboys are going to face.
0: Yeah, I, I like a lot of what you said there. And it has me thinking about... Right, like what's on the line for him in this fight? There's way more on the line for him to me than than Cowboy. And I'm not to say that this fight isn't important to Cowboy, too, but he's 36 years old. He's already got a couple of recent losses, and I almost feel like the UFC, in part, Wanted him to have this fight just because he's been such a good soldier for them, and like you said, he's fought like week between with with only weeks uh, notice. Um, There was the one after uh, Dos Anos drops out of the McGregor fight, and it became Diaz. Like, (laughs) here was ten days before Cowboy was ready to do it and start cutting weight to get ready for that fight on short notice, and I almost feel like they they feel good for him getting this payday, but for McGregor. Right, if he loses, like where do you even go from there? The season he's talking about, this Habib rematch, this Diaz trilogy, like Masvidal, like it all to me just seems like what are we really doing here? Because, yeah, for me, what drew me to McGregor originally as a fan of him, and I would hazard to say he got me into that sport. Like I was a big boxing fan, but I, McGregor is a big reason. I'm sure there are others out there like me where I started to draw to the UFC because of him. Well, why was that? It was because, yes, the, the, the talk game was awesome. The press conferences are hilarious, and he's so witty in them, but he always backed it up. And now if you go three out of five fights losing and you haven't won in the UFC in three years, then to me all of that could go up in smoke. I don't want to spend too much time talking legacy with him here because I do think the fight itself is interesting. So I want to talk to you technically about this fight between McGregor and Cowboy. I think a lot of people that don't really know Cowboy that well think that he's just going to try to take McGregor to the ground and that, oh, grappling is what he's going to try, to his his method of victory in this fight. And I do think, of course, he's a better grappler. He's better on the ground than McGregor is here. But for those who have watched Cerrone, like, he likes to stand up and trade. So I think this could just be a flat-out war.
1: I think it's going to be a war, and I think that uh, Cowboy has come out and said that his plan is to stand up with him. He wants to see... What what the big deal is uh, all about, especially at 170, where I feel like he holds the advantage. Because he, if you go back to the Diaz fight, uh, Connor came in on on weigh-in day like four or five pounds under the 170 limit, and so he's going to be a small 170 on fight night. So it, it's it's kind of finding out does that power hold up. And the one thing I will defend Connor a little bit about: listen, all the takedowns against Habib. Habib is the most dominant wrestler that's ever competed in mm. any weight class. I mean, the guy is just an absolute mauler. Uh, I mean, you could make an argument for Daniel Cormier or Cain Velasquez, but K- Khabib is just a different animal. So take that out of, the, out of there. The way he has fought, the few wrestlers that he has fought, I've been pretty impressed with, with Conor, and his ability to not only uh, survive on the ground, but get back up in, in certain instances, defend the takedown. Um, I, I think he'll, he'll have a real good chance at not only defending the takedown, but holding his own on the ground. I mean, his coach, John Cavanaugh, is a jiu-jitsu uh, expert. I mean, that's, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure he has his black belt as well. So if wherever this fight goes, I'm confident that either of these guys are, are going to be comfortable. Uh, they're both veterans. Cowboy is a, a super veteran. I mean, the guy's been doing it for mm-hmm. years and years and years, more than probably anybody. I mean, at 50 fights. Under the Zupa banner whether it be WEC or UFC that's absolutely unbelievable stat uh, but what I think it comes down to is uh, Don, or, uh, Gilbert Melendez put out a good piece with ESPN with Dominic Cruz uh, I, I retweeted it. Oh yeah and he basically yep. said yeah he basically said that because of Connor's footwork and the way that he bounces in and out, he's untouchable for the first seven minutes of the fight because that's when the cardios up that's when he has all the energy and he can really just just. Keep you at bay and launch that left hand, and so that ca- causes a problem for Cowboy because he's a slow starter uh, historically. So if he's a slow starter, if he comes out and gets dinged early, I mean, it takes me back to that Rafael dos fight years ago when he finally got his title shot and got starched in the first round. And, you know, Conor McGregor can do that, and and I think that that's probably where I'm leaning as we're as we're a few days out from the fight is Conor really overwhelming. Cowboy early on. He's coming off of two losses. Uh, the decision against Ferguson and then the nasty knockout at the hands of Justin Gagey. And I think that Conor McGregor is a better striker than Justin Gagey. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean this is man, this is this is fun. This is this is that kind of chess match that, you know, I mean, Cowboy can mess around and go off of his back foot and hit him with a left high kick and, and end the night real quick. So there's a lot of ways that both of these guys can win, I believe.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it, and it has me, of course, thinking about, and I think, like, both of these guys, McGregor has been asked a lot about, like, oh, what's next, what's next? And he kind of doesn't want to answer it as much um, because he's been a little bit more humble in this media circuit. But I'm going to ask you the question that a lot of people are asking McGregor. If He gets past Cerrone with a victory. He's the favorite right now. I I don't think that it's expected to be like, it's not a long shot or anything that Cerrone could win, but he's certainly the underdog. So let's say McGregor gets through Cerrone on Saturday. In your perfect world, McGregor, the three fights he's talked about having this year, what would your perfect three fights be?
1: Um... So I, I think next, I mean, I think he'll definitely be uh, on hold for in case something happens with Ferguson and Khabib, because obviously mm-hmm. we all know it's their history. But I think the next fight should be G. G. I I think that that's the most uh, exciting, fan-friendly fight that the, that the UFC can put on. Uh, I'm not interested in in the 170 as much. I think that uh, I think Masvidal, Usman, and and Covington, uh-huh. when he gets it, when he gets his jaw fixed, uh, any of those three can will we'll beat McGregor, I think. I, I just think they're horrible matchups for him. They're, they're so good everywhere. They're, they're real true 170 guys. Even though Masvidal used to fight at 155, he's a 170 now. Uh, so I would like to see him fight Gagey. I would like to see him, uh, you know, if he wins that fight, maybe fight for the, the 155 title. But I still think there's unfinished business with Nate. I would love to see that trilogy. I think that they talked about the trilogy uh, for years and years and years. And maybe if the Gagey, if he gets a fight, maybe he can fit in the, the Nate fight. Uh, and maybe put that at 155, because we already saw it at 170 twice, maybe put them at their natural weight class if Nate can even make it back down to 155 anymore. But I think that that's where, that's where it stands, and, and you always have potential of a touch weight uh, with Frankie Egger at some point, just a, another situation like mm. the UFC just, you know, given the fight to Frankie after all these years where it feels like that fight should have been made a dozen times. Uh, and even has said that he wished that fight was made. So, yep. you know, there's so many options. But like we said at the beginning, if he loses, I mean, really, that, that takes you down to probably, you know, uh, a, a marquee fight against a, Nate just for the nostalgia factor of it uh, and the and the name recognition. Other than that, I mean, he's not sniffing a title shot if he loses this fight.
0: Yeah, obviously, completely agree with that. I, I will... Agree and disagree with you on the Masvidal idea. I agree that I just think Masvidal would maul him, and I just think that's a horrible matchup for McGregor. But, man, would I be excited for that fight. Like, the hype would be awesome, and the matchup would be so interesting to me that I would be there for that. Um, but I agree. I don't want to see him go up to 170 that much, as much as he's talking about. Sticking with the 155 division for a second here before I let you go, Matt, the Habib rematch, if it happens, we'll see if it happens even as soon as when Ferguson and Habib are supposed to match up. Because, like you said, they've already um, tried that fight four times and it's never happened. Someone's always pulled out. Whether it happens there, whether it happens later, we saw the first matchup. Habib dominates him for three of the four rounds. It was pretty even in the third round. McGregor snuffed him, I think, four times in that round for takedowns, landed a couple of shots. And we talked about earlier how maybe his camp leading up to that point, and we know because he said it this week that he was drinking during that that camp and that he was partying and that maybe he didn't take it as seriously. With a serious training camp, with a focused Conor McGregor, almost a zen-like Conor McGregor that we've seen this week, do you think he has it in him to beat Habib, even if he wouldn't be, even if you wouldn't pick him to win the fight or favored to win the fight? Does he have it in him?
1: Public service announcement. Do not listen to Stephen A. Smith when he talks about <laughs> fighting, MMA or boxing. Because he said this week, uh, I was listening to something, and he said, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we already know Oh, about the, the potential Mayweather rematch, but we already know that he can't beat Khabib. He 100% can beat Khabib, okay? If you go back and watch that fight, uh, if he did have an injury, uh, that definitely impacted the exchanges. And I was really, until the fourth round, wasn't very impressed with Khabib's ground-and-pound against, against Connor And the best uh, ground-and-pound of the first 15 minutes that he had in the second round, you're right. Connor came back in the third and had his best round of the fight. Uh, so I don't, think we, we, I don't think we saw what this fight really could be. And I think that if he comes out here and has one of those you know, uh, defining Connor McGregor moments against uh, Cowboy, I think that they make that fight. I, I, and, and who knows? Who I mean, but to be... To, before we get there, before we put the cart before the horse, I'm picking Tony Ferguson in that fight. I Ooh. think Tony Ferguson is better than Khabib everywhere. I think he's better on the feet. I think he can knock him out on the feet. And he's not a KO artist. But with the way that Khabib leaves his chin out there, he's not going to be able to take Tony Ferguson down with the type of regularity he does everybody else. And if he does... He's looking at elbows from the ground. He's looking at constant movement, constant cardio, and some crazy, crazy submissions off of his back. Tony Ferguson is a nightmare matchup for Faneet.
0: Yeah, I, I almost wish we got to that sooner. Um, I, I like what you said there about Ferguson at the end because I I'm, don't pretend to be an expert on the UFC or anything. I'm still uh, learning more and more about the sport, but that guy when he's on his back on the ground, I'm not sure I've seen anybody else be as good from his back um, as Ferguson. So I, I like that pick. Maybe I'll have you on again before that fight because I'm also, like that. that's not necessarily the name recognition uh, to casual fans between Tony Ferguson and, and Habib, but Maybe that's worthy. So I'm looking forward to that. Hey, Matt, thanks for joining me, man. I always love talking UFC uh, whenever we get the chance, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon.
1: Thanks for having me on, buddy. Have a great week.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today